a little bit of a break back three weeks or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, welcome back, everybody. It's hard doing this, or it's hard staying on top of this. Yeah, summertime. Got stuff to do, right? Stuff to do, places to go, people to see. Busy people, you know? <laughs> Extremely. And then sometimes it feels like not at all. Um, I was trying to think of stuff to ramble about, but I'm not sure. How about the fact that the last, like, I don't know, three times maybe that I've used air travel, <laughs> it's just gotten, I mean, what a cliche thing to talk about and complain about, but holy hell. Uh, I got searched. It keeps getting worse and worse. I got searched for the first time uh, this time. So, yeah. That doesn't typically happen to uh, white Blonde-haired males. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. So, um, the I was the only one in line, and I think mm-hmm. they just had to, like, out of principle. <laughs> like, out of boredom, like, basically. All right, well, let's search this guy. Yeah, let's just search him. Um, yeah, so, What's... with Southwest... Well, okay, so first of all, um, it started with, uh, I don't know three times ago, maybe, Southwest um, having a GPS issue with their plane, and we basically sat on the runway for a couple hours, and before they were like, all right, we can't fix it, and made everybody get off the plane, Um, but the way that one ended up was, it was an early-ish flight, so they had enough time to get us a new plane, and I ultimately made it home just, you know, four or five hours late, whatever it was, Yeah. and they gave us, Southwest is pretty good about when it's their fault giving you, like, credit money. So that happened. Whatever. That was like the worst that it's been in my yeah, career of flying. So it's not, too, not bad. too bad. Yeah. Um, but then this trip, so I was going to Boston and um, had like a five o'clock flight. And at two o'clock, I had already been checked in because Southwest does a 24 hour thing. I just randomly, because I was leaving from work, was like, all right, let me just log on, check it, make sure it's good, whatever. It says flight canceled. <sighs> They never, never said anything about this. Didn't even, so you just, didn't even have a, a say. No, just randomly I went on to check for no apparent, or, you know, no real reason and saw that it was canceled. So had I not done that, I would have just shown up at the airport and been SOL, I guess. Yeah. Um, so transferred to Delta, that flight got delayed five hours. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then on the way back, Southwest again, they had another mechanical failure on the plane and I ended up getting trapped in Boston overnight and made it home, you know, a full 24 hours later. <laughs> um, it was, all, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah, that sucks. It's yeah, a so, it's a weird dance the whole air flight thing. I mean, I could have driven there and back, you know, way easier, way faster. I would have been comfortable and just, you know, chilling at my own pace. But instead, you're you're like in the grips of whatever the fuck they have going on, and you're like at their mercy. There's nothing you can do once you go beyond that gate. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it I'm is, gonna com- it I'm complaining like... about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, could have been worse though. Could, Nobody got hurt. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't like the um, the guy that just stole the plane yesterday. Maybe there. <laughs> what? Right, two days ago, um, the guy uh, in Seattle, 
Um, Seattle, Washington, a, I mm-hmm. believe he was a mechanic, stole an empty plane. And, nice. um, well, it didn't end well. Oh, what happened? Um, I guess, I guess some F-18, you know, they scrambled some F-18s or, or jets mm-hmm. of some sort, whatever. Uh, and they followed them and they kind of were, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. And I guess he eventually crashed into like a fairly uninhabited little island off the coast. Oh, Jesus. And he's dead. Only, uh, is he the only person that was killed? Yeah. I believe that's the case. Um, uh, that's crazy. So yeah, he was just like wild. trying to escape or something? I, he um, he seemed a little, uh, there's audio recordings released. Um, oh. And he seemed a little, uh, I don't know. Uh, Unstable? I guess so, but also, like, he's just, he's desperate, and he wasn't having a good go at things, I suppose, and hmm. I don't know, some of his, you know, he's depressed, probably, which is not, you know, sympathetic to that, but stealing a plane is not exactly well, how you cope with that. Uh, no, <laughs> at least he only hurt himself, yep. I guess. Yeah. Got to find some sort of silver lining. The other thing I meant to update on, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, the wildfire thing. Uh, oh yeah, things are only gotten much worse since we last. Oh no, time. yeah, yeah. It's um, so near me is okay, but uh, out in California, I'm sure you've heard on NPR mm-hmm. and all that. Um, so their number, they're saying there's roughly a hundred fires worth talking about that are burning in the U.S. right now, which is a significant mm-hmm. jump from the sort of stats I was saying um, last month, month and a half ago, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? But yeah, there's wow. about a hundred. Have they been able to contain now that no, we know what that means? No, any or no, it's just out of control. Most of the the California ones are still pretty uh, rampant. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, it's it's a wild time we're in. Well, I think you are up first, my friend. I think so. Sorry, I got distracted looking at... Oh! <laughs> I was looking at the plane article. I got distracted looking at... Oh, okay. At, uh... Jamie, yeah, take that down. We're going to get pulled yeah, exactly. off. Jamie. <laughs> 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 yeah, because I think ultimately that's a that's a sad story, so I, I guess I suppose we'll move on. So, um, we were talking... Oh, I mean, you can... you can. No, it's... it's uh, stay that's, there for a minute. That's, if enough, you want. that's enough rambling. Um, so, we were talking before the starting here that um, sometimes the topics can like get away from you in terms of the amount of information and Mm -hmm. sort of you try to come up with a flow or at least I do. Maybe it doesn't always come off that way, but um, (laughs) so that happened to both of us. It sounds like this time. Um, Yeah, I think so. So mine, I originally was reading about Krakatoa, which is a really crazy volcano that's erupted many, many times. And okay. Um, and then in I Hawaii? got, uh, no, Krakatoa is in Indonesia. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and then I got thinking about, uh, just like the impacts of volcanoes and like how it impacts <sighs> human history and all these crazy see, that's, things. See, that's, that's where things get out of hand is when you take a topic, your idea is very specific. Right. And then you start reading and you're like, okay, this needs to actually be way more... bigger generic yeah it's like when i play skyrim and <laughs> well there's a cave i gotta go down that cave yeah, right yeah <laughs> i have to look in every single corner i can't in that yeah. cave 
<laughs> I can't just walk down past that and, you know, forget no. about it. That's not <laughs> happening. Yeah, so it very quickly uh, expands, and I did the same thing, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll try, I'll try to keep a coherent flow to it here. But, yeah, so um, talk a bit about Krakatoa itself because it's very interesting, and, and there's a particular eruption that uh, happened in 1883 that is just, we have a lot of it's relatively recent right it was, so there's a lot mm-hmm. of information on it and it was okay. hu- it was huge so wow um, there's some really crazy stats and stuff um, like biggest one that we have full detail on pretty much i would say so yeah um yeah it, it's pretty wild so um krakatoa so a little bit we'll try to so it's located in the Sedan Strait between the islands of Java and Sumatra, which are the main islands of Indonesia, right? Okay. And so it's they've got a hundred and roughly a hundred and thirty volcanoes there. So it's the most Excuse active. Excuse my uh, typing. I'm gonna look on a map while okay. you describe. But go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. So they um, they have a lot of volcanoes. Basically, the most okay. it's the most densely concentrated area, more or less. Hmm. Um, what do you know? Why like that area specifically? It's just a just spot mad on... tectonic action. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> things are things are moving back and forth a lot. Plates are getting it on over there. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's a lot of activity from there. And so before we get to the the main explosion that I wanted to talk about, as as you might imagine, there were more. Um, this thing blows up a lot, <laughs> and it's actually I would say we're probably due for another. Actually. Really. Okay. Yeah, when you, when I start rattling off, it's it's about every 100, 150 years. And the last one was 1883, so that's over 100 years ago. Can you tell me real quick how I spell this? Oh, uh, yeah, it's... Um, oh, goodness, now, right, of course, now it's not on the screen. Oh, K-A... Jeez, wow, K-R-A-K. K-R-A-K. A-T-O-A. Got it. tongue-tied today oh yeah okay so wow all right first of all i was looking in the wrong spot um i see it now man that's a tiny little island yeah (laughs) well it's It's a volcano it's not only is it and it's also blown itself apart many times so (laughs) okay i mean i'm looking at this and uh it's for the only reason it is an island there is because the volcano, you know, creating its own landmass, right? Right, it wasn't, exactly. Uh... There wasn't anything there originally. Right. Huh. Um, okay. so, so, yeah, some of these events, so how we find out about some of this stuff, um, one of the best sources of information is firsthand writings, of course, any historical uh, documentation of these events. Uh-huh. Um, art, uh, we'll talk more about this, but art, like, the, when these super volcanoes go off, this isn't tech. Well, yeah, it is. That's a technical term, super volcano. Um, mm-hmm. When they go off, you know, it impacts the whole planet and it does all this crazy stuff. So it usually shows up in culture when when these happen. Um, they can also go to Greenland and they dig ice cores out of the ice in Greenland and you know the tip of the top of the world, I suppose. Um, and they do that. They they do that for a lot of different things, and it shows them a lot of different things. But you can see layers of ash um, in these ice cores that they pull out of the ground, and so you can you can get a relative sense of when things happen from that as well. And then also tree rings are actually 
helpful as well. So hmm. you can determine, you can kind of between those different things, if you have enough of those different in, you know pieces of information, they're they're pretty good at pinpointing when when these uh -huh. things happened. Um, so there was a big one in 416 AD. Um, it seems to be the that was probably the earliest one, maybe not the earliest, but starting to get actually documented. Um, mm -hmm. And so that one, they stated at least that the whole world was greatly shaken and violent thundering. <laughs> you know, it could be heard around the world, which is a common theme. Uh, these things literally, if these go off, like you and I both will hear it. Really? Yep. Um, so that's not just them having a poor perspective on how big the planet actually is at yeah, that time. And right. Now, the, like... I should say, we won't, we wouldn't necessarily hear it if Krakatoa went off. That's a little too far away. But mm. um, the range is like 3,000 miles. Is, Damn. Yeah. So. Certainly, uh, you know, we would detect it on our. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Seismographs and, and things that certainly are meant for detecting such things. Right. <laughs> so um, with the 416 one, there's not necessarily great geological evidence that it was actually the Krakatoa spot mm -hmm. that went off, but it uh, it certainly was in that area and it was it okay. was large enough to, to do a lot of damage. Um, so then in 535, which is only what just just shy of or just later. a little over a hundred years later. Yeah. Um, it happened again, and again, they're not entirely sure that it was Krakatoa. There's better evidence that it was for this one. Mm -hmm. um, there were theories that it was a comet, actually, that uh, oh. landed on this one, but I don't know if that, that doesn't seem... It's entirely possible, but mm -hmm. so is the volcano. Can I, um, can I just mention something real quick? Yep. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's all good. But on Google Maps... Um, the volcano of Krakatoa has a four out of five rating with 538 <laughs> reviews. <laughs> the volcano itself. Um, people, there's a, a fair number of one star reviews. People are not pleased with this volcano's performance. Well, I was going to ask, uh, do you think the rating goes up or down if it explodes? <laughs> I guess it depends on your enthusiasm towards <laughs> volcanoes and destruction. You know, I imagine if you get hurt by it, you know, one star. But if you're <laughs> if you're there to see it and you're fine, actually you don't want to actually see it. I'll get to why later. But you don't want to be around for a number okay. of reasons. But you don't even really want to be near it at all uh, yeah, when, when it goes off. <laughs> Sorry, I just no, I you're thought good. The, That's hilarious. the the idea of rating this volcano on Google Maps is just absurd. Anyway, so in 535 when this happened, um, it mm -hmm. it was one of the better documented things that happens when these volcanoes go off, which is like the whole world's weather patterns get totally messed with. Um, okay. And so unseasonal weather, it apparently snowed in August in like the plains of China. So, you know, not mountainous areas like should not be snowing in August. Right. Um, a bunch in of the, the Northern hemisphere. Right. Uh, a bunch of the, there's a, the Gaelic Irish annals. I think so. You say that, um, which is a documented history of, that time um, they reported mm -hmm. crop failures and famines from 536 to 539 um, average citing that as the the issue well yeah so there's just ash in, over the entire world okay yeah so this ash cloud eventually makes its way around the entire world and Dang. impacts and if it doesn't get directly to you um, you know it's it's adjusting the different oceanic currents uh the different jet stream currents so oh, yeah the, whether you see it directly or not right it's so the entire effect 
the entire it's big enough that the entire ecosystem if you consider the entire i mean the entire earth is ultimately goes up to one point i guess in a way right so it's big enough that it impacts the entire thing mm-hmm. you know every single spot is is touched in some way ultimately too because the ash just filters out sunlight so mm-hmm. literally our our source of energy just for that a period of time is just less so if you go and look at like um you know how they, I don't know what the proper term is, but you can like uh, take like a core sample of the soil or rock or something and see kind of layers of. Right. Like the, in, stuff, that indicate, in, uh, the stuff in Greenland. Yeah. Um, can you see like a cooling effect or something from all the ash? Definitely. Yeah. Um, and also, we're just fortunate enough that people were keeping track of these things as well sure, in sure. that time. But uh, yeah, they can. It's, it's crazy what they can. Uh, I'm no expert on the cores. Maybe that's. That probably deserves an episode in itself, but um, hmm. they get a lot of relative information out of those cores, and yeah. they come up with, um, they can at least speculate on a lot of interesting things based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, so like in the Middle East, this is still in 535. This happens, this has happened many times, but a dense, they describe, they always describe it as a dense, dry fog. So I, I'm assuming it's just the ash cloud. But it's been reported to hang in certain areas for like months. Whoa. So you're, you know, it, it's you can't really breathe. Um, when the ash cloud is around, apparently, if it's thick enough, you can actually look at the sun, and the way the ash filters the light, you can actually mm-hmm. see sunspots, because you, you just the amount of light that's going into your eyes is not only mm-hmm. less but different in terms of its uh, reflection, I suppose. So. I have a question. Yep. And maybe it's just, it might be too general a question, but like with our last episode or previous episodes with the fires and everything, they serve a function to the greater good of the planet, whether humans like it or not, right? Oh, that's absolutely the case, yes. Kind of like a recycling. What's the uh, natural benefit of a volcano? Um, I pressure, got... pressure relief? <laughs> I got some some uh, words on here. Yeah, we can jump to. Okay, uh, you, you don't have to jump ahead. I no, just, you're good. Was, um, just thinking of that. Yeah, well, it's it's a real, it's a real thing because it's it's so crazy, devastating. But um, it's amazing how quickly nature, at least not humans, uh, adapt back in. So when Mount St. Helens went off um, in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, things were more or less, from a natural perspective, back to normal in in about a year, mm-hmm. um, which is wild. Um, so, you know, beyond the initial destruction, you know, that volcanic ash is really rich in nutrients. Okay. And so it's, it's just kind of like the fire is exactly like you said. Um, Mm -hmm. it just recycles everything and keeps it going and, um, adds new nutrients into the different Mm -hmm. places that the ash lands. And so life just be after the initial few moments, um, just grows back even stronger I actually suppose. benefits from it yeah yeah well, yeah exactly hmm. um but that that's for the ash at least i would i guess i would argue though that like you know when the world's temperatures are impacted for five years and they're colder yeah. that is probably not i guess i'm not seeing where i'm thinking yeah about it, it seems like mostly just a side effect of you know ash tectonic action and everything right. the the resulting volcano isn't really um 
your point about the pressure relieving, I suppose that's the case. Um, and if I that's mean, what the that's planet what's happening, needs... right, with a volcano? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and if that needs to happen so that the whole planet doesn't explode all at once, then I guess for <laughs> it. right. Um, I guess, yeah, because if if think about it, if there weren't any volcanoes, if there were no, um, in a, in theory, if the surface of the planet was a steel ball and there was no way for the core to relieve itself. Um, there would be a moment that, where... That would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> or it would be a problem, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Um, there was another big one in 1680. Mm-hmm. So, and then I found a list. So, roughly, there's been significant explosions, like I said, every couple of years. So, 80, 850, 950, 1050... And 11:50, which wow. seems way seems too pretty regular. Yeah, I don't know. That was just a, a list I found. Um, then, mm-hmm. then it was quiet until 13:20, and then it was quiet again until 15:30, barring the ones I mentioned already. So 4:16, 5:35, then all those ones, then 16:80, and then we get to 18:83. So it, it it can vary a little bit, but um, yeah, about every 150, let's say. Now, is it pretty consistent in its strength of explosion, or is no. it? No, yeah. uh, it does not always Wouldn't do, expect it to. It doesn't always do what it did in 1883, which uh, okay. we can jump into now, because it's totally bonkers. So May 20th, 1883, it starts smoking and signaling that it's you know active, uh, which it does a lot. Um, yeah. if you, you know, it, it, 2003, 2007, 2009. So it's, you know, it's an active area. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, from May till late august this thing just basically progressively got more and more aggressive oh boy yeah with its with its smoke and signaling well the 16th of june it actually started to explode um okay and so from the 16th of june to august 25th it would just basically uh had a series of you know series of small explosions all day every you know every day Um, okay and i say explosions you know we're talking lava not only lava flowing out in the way that you might traditionally imagine, but you know, it does actually pressure builds up and it does send, this is the type of volcano that will send stuff flying. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's both, I think it's pyrocastic. Is how you say it flows where it's literal lava flowing around and stuff like it did in Hawaii the other day. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, 16th, 16th of June, that starts doing its thing. And then on August 25th, um, it, entered a state of permanent eruption. Sometimes uh, the explosions getting as frequent as every 10 minutes. Oh my God. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) And then, so that, so this isn't, this isn't like, you know, Hollywood style where it rumbles, rumbles, rumbles and blows up in this extravagant explosion. This thing's just constantly going in this moment. Yeah. But I guess it's also rumbling, rumbling. And it is in a certain sense, it's building up. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then on so for two days every ten minutes this thing is oh is God. going crazy, um, and then on August twenty seventh, uh, four huge explosions five thirty. Uh, did I write down the times? Whatever it was over by like uh, they were like fifty minutes apart or something like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, five. I'm sorry, four very large explosions, mm-hmm. and um, after that it was done. So on uh, after the fourth one. Like, that really was its final uh, hurrah. Last hurrah, yeah. Yeah, so the third one was the largest. Um, 
Perth, Australia, which is 2,000 miles away, and the there are some islands which are 3,000 miles away. Those are mm -hmm. the furthest points it was recorded that people um, were able to actually hear the explosion. You know, wow. Literally identify the explosion. So 3,000 miles, which is just... You said Perth? Perth, Western Australia. How do you spell that? P-E-R-T-H. Oh, I'm looking to see relative to, uh... oh yeah, so you know how Australia is kind of like, <laughs> for sure, um, yeah, it's that bottom left tip, essentially. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, so the sound of the explosion was so loud that um, Damn, anybody within, it's speculated that anybody within 10 miles, completely uh -huh. deaf. Whoa. Anybody within 40 miles, at, uh, at the very least, ruptured eardrums, if not deaf. Mm -hmm. Would there have been any people though? Because, uh, yes, there were on that little tiny island. It was uh, it was a deadly event. Okay. Thirty thirty six and a half thousand people what? Is, is what the Dutch authorities uh, at the time, the Dutch trading company would have been, mm. you know, in doing their thing. Yeah. Um, and some estimates potentially put it at one hundred twenty thousand. As a direct result of the. As in, like, within the... Yeah. Yeah. So not just because of, like, ash fallout later on? Um, I guess... Uh, I guess I won't speak to exactly what... I assumed they didn't... I guess the, the source didn't really say exactly where those casualties were, other than it was at the time of the volcano. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would assume it's not including results of just, like, respiratory failures from ash and things like that, because, mm -hmm. you know, older... People with lung problems and older people, you know, even hundreds of miles away, if the ash is thick enough, you can die from that easily. Sure. So, so yeah, I, I, I would say 36,000 people um, is probably a decent. I mean, this this thing sits right in the middle. Of, you know, you saw where it was on the map. It's 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 around. People are near. Yeah. It. No, definitely. Um, so there are tsunamis, of course, coming out from this thing. Every explosion mm -hmm. had tsunamis somewhere as high as 98 feet. Oh, I didn't apparently, even think about that. Sending tsunamis in every direction. It's just, Jesus. it's chaos. It's brutal. Um, one of the coolest, coolest, I guess, um, things about it was the pressure wave from the final explosion was recorded, as you thought it would, around the world. Um, several barograph locations recorded i'm not sure exactly how they knew it was the same pressure wave or uh, it was a little fuzzy on this part but apparently they recorded the same pressure wave seven different times over a period of five days so four times <laughs> four times in one direction and three times uh -huh. in the other direction um and so basically that tells you as that the in wave, the pressure the wave yeah, rounded ahead, the, the wave rounded the globe essentially three times Three Whoa. and a half times. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It'd so, be interesting to see the... Uh, the data on that. Yeah, and the degradation of the wave strength. As Definitely. It, you know, is it a is it a linear drop-off, or is it, you know, Logarithmic in some way. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, that's so that's... That's cool. It's wild. Um, apparently, some of the... Um, about 100 miles away from the explosion... If you imagine the Mercury-style thermometers, mm -hmm. um, some of them it just the Mercury jumped so high it literally just broke the thermo or the the bar graph, the pressure reader. Um, but yeah, it was moving Mercury. You're talking a barometer? Or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They call okay. it a barograph, but 
Um, yeah, they're using measured. I'm sorry, using uh, mercury to measure, you know, the pressure changes. Hmm. And I so yeah, that was, it was only used for temperature. In like old school thermometers. Uh, Interesting. Let's see. I just Two, didn't know that. I'm yeah, not yeah. challenging. I just didn't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So that pressure wave. I just that's incredible. Yeah. The ash cloud allegedly went uh, 50 miles into the air. Straight up. Straight up, yeah. And then let alone. Which is like, that's enough to get when does it. When does space start? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. I think it's uh, 70,000 kilometers. I think it might have made it up to space, actually. Look that up while I'm going through this, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> okay. Pull it up. <laughs> okay, we'll do. <laughs> um, all right, so I'll, I'll move through just reading off the facts is, is a little tedious, but um, they're just, they're so wild. Uh, 1.2 Celsius temperature change, obviously in the downward direction in the years afterwards, average. Um, and they don't, they estimated basically the weather patterns were out of whack for about five years. 1888 is when they think uh, mm -hmm. that sort of fixed itself or at least somewhat normal. Um, and yeah, so it was just a crazy devastating event. Um, there are reports of bodies being found on like the shores of South Africa months later. Um, people, you know, anybody within near this thing, if you were anywhere near this thing, like within a, a mile or two, I just, I didn't really find any stats on this, but I mean, you would have just been instant, instant gone. Mm -hmm. Damn. Which is so wild to think that the earth, cause you know, when you, I normally, when you think of an, uh, a volcano for me, at least, um, you think of like the Hawaii style, you know, you don't get ones that you do get ones that explode, of course, but you don't ever really think about the explosion being something that even a mile from it would kill you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more I always imagine at least volcanoes is more of a a violent but overall still gentle release. Uh, but then you got things like Mount St. Helens where and obviously Krakatoa Mount St. Helens, not anywhere near this level. But um, no, no, I mean, that one totally destroyed the mountain, but you know, and definitely killed people that were near it. Mm -hmm. But uh, a lot of them died, unfortunately, you know, due to like the movement of rock and that sort of thing, rather than the pressure wave. I got you. Okay. And I'm, I'm totally guessing on how close you'd have to be to die from this thing, but I imagine it to be unpleasant to be anywhere close to it. Um, so yeah, um, I talked a little bit about the art impact of volcanoes. Um, and how it gets into culture and stuff. So the famous painting, The Scream, you know, the uh, it's the guy on the bridge and he's got his hands up on his face and it's that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. There's decent, uh, we don't know for sure because the guy's dead and never said one way or the other, I suppose. But um, if you line up a bunch of things, it makes total sense. He was in the area or he was in a particular area where, um, so when the ash sits over the earth, they reported that um, the sunsets were just insane for half a year. Oh, for half really? a year. Yeah, the ash makes the sky like blood red and purple mm. also, if uh, depending how uh, dark, it, or I'm sorry, dense it is. So the, the, the sky in this painting, based on where the guy was at the time and just inspiration, um, they were in a, uh, they were up in uh, Norway apparently. And so yeah, that, that painting essentially it's, it's setting was inspired by how the world was, uh, at the time of this volcano exploding or uh, immediately after. 
Was he alive during it? Yeah, yeah, he was up in Norway. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, so, yeah, he, uh, but the ash was all, you know, it was impacting everything all the way up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was cool. Uh, there's all, there's many paintings. Uh, people obviously are very inspired by these, you know, awe-inspiring events, really. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of famous paintings. There's poems. Um, it, it makes its way... And these are all just just for this, uh, just for the Krakatoa explosion. Again, it was fairly recent. Hmm. Um, but then, so one of the other really wild things for me to think about is the way um, volcanoes impact like human history. So the obvious ones are like when the famine comes because crops don't grow well when the ash is covering everything and mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but if you start lining up some of these volcanic explosions with um, the declines of certain civilizations, basically you can see some civilizations were ready to deal with these types of hardships and then others just weren't. And um, it had an influence on the way certain things have ultimately turned out. So one of the big ones is Europe um, got invaded by the Mongols a series of times. And some of these explosions, you know, they were happening every hundred years. Um, you know, what did I say? Uh, 18, I'm sorry, 850, 950, 1050, you know, basically every hundred years. And that level of explosion and activity and, and is just going to keep farming and, and whatnot from being effective. And, uh, but then the Mongols were adapted to such a harsh environment anyway that they were able to capitalize on some of these moments, maybe not consciously, because uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to see that type of effect in real time. But um, there's there's certain points I will we will have to skip over a lot of it because we'd be here all day if we tried to dissect the actual events. But there are there are lots of documented cases where civilizations have been in weakened states as a result of of the impacts of these volcanoes, and then other civilizations have been able to come in and you know, take advantage of that. And mm-hmm. it's just, so yeah, Europe, um, was a big one. Um, cause obviously there's a lot of activity. The middle East would have been impacted at different times. And, um, yeah, just that to me is, is so crazy that you can watch the ups and downs of human history and, uh, it's pretty wild and see the impacts. There was, um, after the fall of Ro- the Roman empire, there was a big period of migration where, the you know the rules of everything basically were now different you know rome had been in power in that area for however long you know thousands mm-hmm. of years basically and all okay. of a sudden it's uh thousands of years i guess so anyway not th- thousands let's say hundreds anyway <laughs> so the rules are all of a sudden different right so people were moving around a bunch and then a giant explosion happened and then mm-hmm. all for trade and everything just halted for just five years. no more yeah, because yeah. we can't, you know, it's too dangerous to go out, pretty right. much. <laughs> Man, that must be, like, a pretty terrifying just experience in time. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Just to, just to live through that. So, and like I, I kind of said at the beginning, it kind of seems like we might be due for another one. Um, our, our, good friend yeah. Joe, our good friend Joe Rogan would, is very fearful of the Yellowstone supervolcano that is allegedly do as well has that ever exploded uh-huh okay 
Um, so, by the way, the height the height thing, real quick. Oh yeah, thank you. So it went fifty miles. Yes. Which is eighty kilometers, roughly. Okay. Which is um, somewhere in what's called the mesosphere. So it goes troposphere, stratosphere, mesosphere, bleh, all the way up to thermosphere, and then exosphere, which is like the very outer bounds. Okay, so not quite up to space. Ba- no, definitely not, because exosphere is 400 kilometers, uh. and satellites are whipping around, according to NASA's <laughs> little infographic here, at like 300 kilometers. Um, so yeah, it was up there where like, you know... It was a prominent feature, but it... Yeah, I mean, it's hanging out with the clouds and everything up there for sure. Um, but it didn't quite make it to the thermosphere, which is defined. Um, it just says auroras and satellites occur in this layer. So, anyway. Um, made it past the stratosphere, though, which is crazy. Oh, the ozone is in the stratosphere, so it was past the ozone layer. Cool. I forgot. Uh, I was just scrolling through the notes. I forgot to mention uh, they went back to uh, Krakatoa at one point. Obviously, you know, more or less as soon as they could, and pretty much the only uh, what was left of the island. But you know, it, like I said, it blew itself apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it did actually create another island in the process, which is pretty awesome. Um, but anyway, so they went back to what was left of the Krakatoa spot, and all they mm-hmm. found was. Uh, a single, I want to get it right here. Where'd it go? It was a single spider under a rock. What? That's all they found as far as what was living. I hope they captured that spider and used it for breeding so right? that now we have super, like, volcano... Um, resistant you know, spiders. In, yeah, resistant spiders. <laughs> I feel like that's a valuable thing to have. It is. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Volcanoes, they're wild. There was another, um, 1816, there was uh, something called the Year Without Summer, where uh, a volcano, the eruption mm-hmm. of Mont Tambora in the Dutch East Indies, Indonesia. Um, that happened. So so what do you think, just uh, getting uh, creative here for a second, I guess, what do yeah. you think it would look like today in 2018, 2019, if this thing exploded? And affected the entire planet. For I'm glad. X I'm glad you time. asked. I'm glad you asked because that's that's basically where I wanted to end. Um, it, I mean, it would be utter chaos because communications would be really impacted, mm-hmm. and we're so used to being so connected that I feel like the the reversal of being so connected to losing. At least I imagine if, if a Krakatoa type thing goes off, you know, and the whole world is, yeah, it would just be totally crazy. And because I, I ultimately, where I go, I guess, is we're so connected. We have a mm-hmm. much more global economy than we ever have. Right. We've got trade and we're used to goods and getting avocados and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that type of event would be so catastrophic that all that would come to a halt and we right. would, we would go uh, from 100 to 0 really fast there would definitely be a lot of volcano selfies on Instagram <laughs> just me in the ash <laughs> <laughs> the um, the super volcano so there's different um, 
course, there's a rating system, and the super volcano that's in Yellowstone uh, is apparently due. It, it exploded millions of years ago at this point. Um, oh man, that long ago. Yeah, maybe. I think that's right. I didn't pull those exact numbers. How but... would this compare? How's the projected explosion compared to? So um... Krakatoa is not as bad. At... It's a big one. The 1883 it was definitely a big mm-hmm. one, um, but it's by no means the worst that's ever happened. Um, hmm. It's just that one of the really crazy bad ones has not happened in a super long time, like 30,000 years or something. Let me see. Let me grab real quick. I should have had that ready. Uh, largest volcano. Oh, what is the name of the... Oh, man. How can I not think of this? Um, the really famous volcano that exploded uh, with the town that's right at the bottom and everybody... Died. Oh, Pompeii. <laughs> Pompeii. Thank yeah, you. Mount Vesuvius. All I, all, all I could think of was Pompeo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only word that was coming to mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of... Um, maybe I'm about to eat my words on... Yeah, no, I don't want the largest eruption since. I would just want... Ah, whatever. The... Um... That one's... Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So we're talking, oh, yeah, 132 million years ago for some of these. Damn. So it's yeah, been building so they're, up ever since. Yeah. So if you were to take a cross-section of a volcano, like going down into the core and the crust of the Earth and all that, Okay. do you think, is every volcano kind of connected to its own little chamber that's building up pressure, or are they um, all... Like, what does that look like under there? I looked a little bit at this um, just as I was going through the rabbit hole, right? Um, mm. I think, uh, so, very poor representation probably, but um, I think the chambers kind of, they they build up underneath, mm-hmm. and they when they're ready to explode, they can follow channels, right, of course, because volcanoes explode in, in the same place frequently. Um, yeah, but I think most of it builds up underneath, and the chambers are sort of blocked off from the surface uh, because the previous explosions, the lava would have solidified, right? Sure. So it sure. builds up underneath, and then mm-hmm. I guess yeah, I guess they're probably, you know, if you look at a place like Indonesia, I imagine under yeah, if you were to be able to peek underneath the crust, it, mm-hmm. it's probably a interconnecting web of craziness. Yeah, I guess I'm just, uh, you know, because. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, images of, you know, volcano cross-sections and stuff, but they don't really ever go down to, like, the core of the Earth, right? They're always oh, just showing... Oh, I wonder how deep. I want to know, like, yeah, from top to center of the core, like, what's going on. Like, is there one channel? There yeah, kinda, like, I mean, there has eventually, to be, yeah. yeah, like, the core has got to um, channel up to all these volcanoes in various spots, and... I'm why? pulling on some uh, high school <laughs> geography here. Um, so the, man- the mantle, uh, oh, yeah. which is I that, that layer, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that layer I think is molten. There's a molten layer, of course, um, that is not at the absolute center, right? The center is a, I believe, an iron core. Yeah, um, solid too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay, cross section of the Earth. This is a, this is from Idaho Public Television is our source here. It's kind of poorly drawn. Solid, solid inner core, <laughs> followed by the molten outer core, followed by an unnamed layer, 
and then the mantle, and then the crust. What, what is that layer? There's two here that aren't labeled. I guess... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what's happening there. So somehow all the molten outer core has got to make its way up through the mantle and various unnamed layers and then form these chambers that then result in the volcano. Hmm. Nature's scary. Oh, this one's way more detailed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Everybody should go, you know, take a little peek at a, the cross section of the earth, just to remind yourself what's uh, what's going on under there. We are all just tiny ants flying through space on a giant ball. <laughs> is on fire inside. Dirty heads. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. So just ultimately, the just the fact that these volcanoes even are a thing is so fascinating, and I think. I don't know. Uh, you didn't end up giving your thoughts. Well, I guess you did. Uh, what what might happen? Um. Oh my gosh! I just. I mean, if one the size of uh, if Yellowstone, it's been speculated that if Yellowstone does it, explodes. Mm -hmm. That's that's basically it. That they're big enough to like. So we don't have real data. Um, the ice cores would probably be the only thing that give us data uh, that far mm -hmm. back. But, you know, if these explosions, if Krakatoa did what it did, if something's bigger than that, um, I mean, I could see, like, literally, like, like a nuclear winter type. Yeah, I don't know. Thing. It's so interesting because, like, nowadays when natural disasters happen, like, you, f you get a sense of connection to it because of how well connected we all are right so if a hurricane happens somewhere you can um you know see how people are helping and you can get a good glimpse of what happened just there's so much information but now you have something that we're still in theory all connected like this but it's affecting almost everybody yeah like i don't know really what that would look like to be honest in terms of like how people talk about it and um and how people deal with it that that would be very interesting in this day and age. So if you haven't had your existential freakout for the day, there it is. Wandering Bear Center is going to provide it. <laughs> That's what we do here. Your maybe a maybe an anxiety attack as well for good measure. <laughs> you know, if you didn't don't have get too comfortable. Don't yeah, get too you, comfortable. That's right. There's a there's an explosion looming at any given right? moment. Don't worry about it. It's fine. When you when you sit down in your bed tonight. Sunday evening, you know, maybe watch a little Netflix or something. Just remind yourself that it might explode at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, all right, so this is a stretch here. Um, okay, I was wondering to see what you'd come up with. <laughs> all right, so just how? Uh, first of all, let me let me say that this topic is at request by a dear listener. Okay. So, um, thank you for reaching out and you'll know who you are when we start talking about it. But, um, so much like a volcano would cause a global, um, pandemic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if all of a sudden we were unable to raise chickens, huh. we would also have a huge I... problem because of how, um, much they're consumed. At least here in the U S it's like 90% of the livestock, if you will, that we grow. And consume so um yeah if all of a sudden chickens were erased we would have a big problem 
This so, is a awesome topic. I've never, <laughs> I haven't ever just like, okay, what happens if this is gone? <laughs> well, that's not entirely the the focus oh, okay. of the topic. Oh, okay, is okay. what we I mean, can I'm... we can certainly speculate on that because that that's kind of like that show that was on uh, maybe History or Discovery or something where it was like all of a sudden humans are erased and what happens to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember it was like day two, plants start growing a little bit more. (laughs) Day four, the dogs are confused. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I don't know Um, what I would eat for breakfast. That'd be terrible. (laughs) So the the topic itself is basically um, chicken and the different types of, like, varieties i guess there are when you if you go to the grocery store and you're looking to buy some chicken you're presented with a slew of ridiculous and confusing options right so well what described. to buy what's the difference and you know who's regulating this essentially okay um so uh yeah this got it's gonna get dark a little a little out of hand and it's definitely gonna get dark so uh and a little brutal at one point so Buckle up. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, initially, I started looking into, like, grating the meat. So, if you notice, um, when you buy chicken or poultry of any kind, you're going to see, typically, um, like, USDA grade A meat or something like that. It looks like this little shield. It's on the package. Um so that's uh, basically that's the way the United States Department of Agriculture, the USDA, they're grading the meat um, based essentially on its appearance. Um, they say this is what good poultry should look like, and this either looks like that or it doesn't. Um, so if we look at the actual, um, well, actually, before we do that, there are, oh, my God, I have a lot of uh, volcano tabs open. um there's three grades a b and c a is basically all you're going to see in the store um if you're buying chicken turkey whatever uh b and c are typically reserved for like uh things that are further processed if you're going to have like ground up meat or um you know adding ground chicken to something else i don't know bologna or something you would use b or c or something taco bell you're probably getting d yeah, you are. <laughs> um, yeah, so USDA grade A is what you're going to see. Uh, and if something is B or C, I don't think that they're going to advertise it as such, which is kind of interesting. Really? Yeah. They're not required to advertise it? I don't I don't think so, from what I was reading. Okay. Um, I don't even know if they're required to say USDA grade A, but that's the selling point, right? Right. So they're going to put of. that on there. But that's... Based, no matter what, that's pretty much what you're going to be buying, regardless of the quality. Um, it's all going to be looking like a chicken should. Um, so if we act, and this is different than like uh, how they grade beef. So beef, you'll have like prime and choice and select in these things. Yep. Which actually kind of corresponds to the quality of the meat. Whereas the USDA, you could have like. A chicken that was raised super well and is full of nutrients, but you know, and I'll bring it up in a second. Maybe it has like a defect in the way it looks. It might get a rating of B as opposed to A, even though it's otherwise totally quality. So, so it the doesn't. US, the USDA is superficial as fuck. 
Yeah, it really is, in terms of this, <clears throat> rating system's not worth anything, to be honest. Um, okay. But let me read you a couple things directly from USDA.gov on their poultry standard PDF of what makes an A-quality uh, right. poultry. So there's a, a lot of things, but I'll just pick a few. Um, so first one is confirmation. So the carcass or part is free of deformities that detract from its appearance or the or that affect the normal distribution of flesh. Slight deformities such as slightly curved or dented breastbones and slightly curved backs may be present. Um, let's see. <laughs> Fleshing. The carcass has a well-developed covering of flesh considering the kind, class, and part. So it needs to... So all these things are just kind of like, yeah, that's it's got skin on it. That's what it's supposed to look like. Right, right. Um, I mean, this it, one's. It, Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I guess in a certain way, obviously, it is telling you something about the quality of the meat. It's not entirely. Yeah. It's not entirely useless, but. Right. I mean, I guess if if the, uh, you know, carcass had like really messed up bone structure and no skin, there's probably something wrong with maybe the, the way it was. Itself, right. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, here's an interesting interesting one. Defeathering. The carcass or part shall have a clean appearance, especially on the breast and legs, and shall be free of protruding feathers and hairs. Okay. Side step on that, or well, story time. I've <laughs> I've I've defeathered my own chickens and I've I've done the mm -hmm. whole thing. Uh that part sucks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they make machines now. Uh we yeah, were we'll trying get, to do we'll it on there. The, we were trying to do it on the cheap. Mm -hmm. But um God, that is, and also when you do it yourself, and especially when you don't have an industrial machine, mm -hmm. when you go to cook the thing, uh, you know, you, you better be okay with some hairs and stuff that you don't normally see in the store. Like yeah, it is. It is more raw, I guess, in right. a sense. Um, yeah, and to and as you go through this document to get to the B and the C ratings, you kind of you know are compromising on those that types sort of things. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, I was definitely not making great a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, but that's where it's a problem, right? That doesn't your chicken was probably way higher quality than you know your bargain basement uh, chicken at the store because you fed it proper food and it yep. walked around and and yep. got into all of that. But um, so that's where the, say that the rating the, system falls apart. Yeah, in this case, at least in my case, um, we were eating the chicken because they had been injured uh, from a bear attack. Um, so these were egg chickens that, so, you know, they lived a full life, uh, up until that point. And, uh -huh. um, so the meat, uh, we ended up slow roasting it, um, or not slow, I'm sorry, smoking it. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the future I might try some different methods because the mm -hmm. meat is very tough when the, the chicken has lived a full right. and good life. Um, it was good, but it was tough. Mm -hmm. So anyway, sorry. Uh, uh, you're good. So I'm going to try to outline basically the different qualities of the chicken in the store um, and then try to make a suggestion on what you should do. You do whatever the fuck you want, but um, I'll just lay out the facts. So your lowest quality uh, chicken that you can buy really is going to be, you know, what's classically referred to as factory farmed. Okay. And it's not going to have really any labeling to identify this it's just not going to it's just going to be your cheapest option at the store um and this is kind of where my topic got a little out of hand as i started looking into factory farming of chickens yeah <laughs> and um 
yeah, I'm not going to spare you, and I'm going to read some of this because it's pretty fucked up. Um, so we'll get the hard stuff out of the way at the beginning. Um, so the birds that they're uh, farming for meat are referred to as Cornish Cross. That's their breed. Okay. And this, I mean, it's not... It started out as a natural chicken, but what these things look like now, it is not. Um, and it's worth noting that, and we can get into it at the end, but these are different than the birds that they're using for harvesting eggs. It's right. a totally different type of chicken. Yeah. Um, so all this information is U.S. specific, so any of our foreign listeners, you know, this might not apply, um, or it might be different. But uh, So in the U.S., 9 billion chickens are farmed each year using this method and i'm sure that's only going up um that's 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 a lot of chicken yeah and in general what makes these birds this cornish cross so crazy is that over time they've been like strategically bred and manipulated to grow as large as possible and as fast as possible yeah i bet they have trouble walking that sort of thing. yeah so um (laughs) yeah they really do uh, basically, their bodies outgrow, or the the physical size of their bodies and the meat that they're carrying around outgrows their bone structure and their organs to the point where they can't walk, um, they they just can't stand up. So, yeah, and so in these factory farm environments, as a standard one, um, they're either going to be in cages where they they can't spread their wings, they can't stand up anyway, whether they could physically do it or not. So they're literally confined in this little, like, couple square inch box. Yep. Um, or I think more typically these days, maybe not more typically, just the other option, which isn't any better, really, is they're all stuffed into this barn where they may, may not be caged, but they're just... They're not going lit- anywhere. No, they're not going anywhere. So they have the same problems. Um, but it's even a little worse because the ground that they're walking on is just covered in their own feces, and so now you have birds that can't walk or stand even. So they lay there all day in their own filth. And that causes a all lot of, of infection and something called ammonia bruising or scarring or something like that. Basically, the, the ammonia builds up oh my and God. it's it's horrible. So um, the birds actually go blind from the ammonia because... Um, you know, it starts bothering them, and it's painful to be laying in this stuff all day, and not only, eh, they're freaking stressed out to begin with, and so they, I guess they rub their eyes, and yeah, now they're all bad. covered in ammonia, and they, yeah. they go blind, and it's really pretty gross. Um, so I have this, <laughs> I wish I could share images on the fly, but I have this graph here that's from uh, the National Chicken Council U.S. Broiler Performance uh, as the source. So basically what this graph is looking at is um, these factory farm chickens comparing uh, the time on the x-axis on the bottom. So going from 1925 to 2010, and it's looking at the size of the chicken and also um, how many days to slaughter. So basically in 1925, uh, 112 days from the chicken being born to when it was slaughtered. And they were roughly 2.5 pounds. Today, well, 2010, so roughly Wait, today. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, yeah, we've, guess. We've, we've at least cut it in half. Oh, yeah, oh, no. at least. Oh no. 40, 47 days to slaughter. 
From a hundred and what? Sorry, hundred and twelve. Okay. So you're more than cut in half. Yeah, more than that. And uh, the weight's more than doubled. They're now weigh five point eight pounds. Damn. So the chickens. So they, in they, about seven weeks is uh, when they kill them, I guess. So they've roughly half the time, and they've roughly doubled the size. So that's a hundred percent increase. That's insane. Just, I mean, pumping these things out. Um, uh, yeah. So there's all sorts of health issues. That, I mean, that with these birds, that is a you know direct result of that, especially. Um, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna. I was. I googled them. The uh, mm-hmm. the chicken. They don't even the, look like a chicken, dude. The, the Cornish cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all, obviously the pictures. I not fun. Um, no. but I found a place where you can buy them, and they're crazy cheap. Yeah. A hundred. A hundred chickens is two bucks. A, if you go with a hundred chickens or more, it's two mm-hmm. bucks a chicken. Now I think the Cornish cross, and maybe there are still varieties that grow up to be a normal chicken you know it's not yeah, like I'm, what I'm, yeah. tyson's growing but um yeah dude i do not uh get down with the the purdue's and the tyson's of the world hell no um all right so uh we're gonna keep going with this for yeah, a second yeah sorry i just thought it was I just, <laughs> no that's okay they're cheap they're cheaper than i thought yeah it's crazy no, I think this is this is none of this is new stuff. It's just as important for people and to I, hear. And I, I, think. I guess I should say, and it's not like you're getting that much savings because if you only the price for one chicken is two eighty, so oh, one wow. chicken's two dollars and eighty cents per chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you you know if you if you're bulk buying, it's, it goes down to two dollars, so you save up mm-hmm. to eighty cents per chicken. Damn. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Um. Let's see. So, all right, so this is this is super sad. First of all, uh, basically all chickens that are either for egg laying or consuming are females. Yep. They're not males. Yep. So when you get a box of chickens, uh, you know, at these factory farms, the females are de-beaked, so they put them in this machine that chops their beak off. Yep. And then the male chicks are basically killed instantly. Um, they either gas them, suffocate them, or throw them in a grinder, essentially, um, Jesus is what happens, because they're just useless, apparently. Um, yeah, so, so so now you have these chickens, and uh, in this situation, most of the time they're being pumped up with antibiotics, because they're all living in this uh, you know situation where they're just exposed to their own feces and surrounded by you know they're not living what they should be living in so even though they're only alive for seven weeks they have to pump them full of antibiotics to keep them alive and even at that you know a lot of them die in the process um so naturally those antibiotics are passed on to you if you're consuming this uh rounding them up you know can imagine what that looks like basically they go in at night when the lights are off because the chickens are easier to round up that way Right. Um, and they just kind of like shove them in boxes and kick them around and put them on trucks and, off you go. uh, yeah, off they go. A lot of them die on the truck because there's no protection or anything for them. God damn. So they they don't put any effort into protecting the stock. No, no. Holy crap. Um, you know, it's all about, you, you just, if you make enough of them, you just can write matter. off the, the ones that die. Um, apparently there's. Uh, 
40 companies, which seems kind of high. I would ex almost expect it to be lower. But either way, these companies essentially own the entire process. They provide the chickens to the farmers. Yeah, they provide they the antibiotics. They provide the process at which you cultivate the chickens. Um, they essentially own the farmers, right? The farmers right. are in debt to, to them. Yeah, so they, they own this process. I don't have any specifics, but I believe they also engage in some, like, you know, shitty practices, whereas they basically, as you said, they own the farmers to the point of, like, we basically, if you don't meet certain conditions that are difficult to meet, um, not in terms we, of the chickens, We end your contract. <laughs> we end your, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so now totally. the farmer's out, it can't buy from whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's say you don't... Um, Actually, real quick, before we do that, this is the worst part. So the slaughtering process of these factory chickens, uh, for whatever reason, there's something, well, this is probably good that this exists, but the USDA has something called the Humane Slaughter Act, which was uh, created in 1958. Okay. But poultry, fish, and rabbits and some other animals are exempt for unknown reasons. Okay. So poultry has no regulation on the way it's slaughtered essentially yeah um so what happens to these chickens is they're strapped to a conveyor belt hanging by their feet um first they get dunked into a water that's electrified to stun them um basically so they move less uh and then they move on to this blade that is supposed to slit their neck and then when they bleed out, they dunk them into a hot water bath, which removes the feathers, I guess. There's yep, probably something does. else in there that helps. Yeah, it does. Um, so not only is that pretty damn brutal on its own, but a chicken is a living animal. They're not all shaped the same, whether they'd like them to be or not. So a lot of them, um, oh, there's, you know, they make it through the various steps of the process not in varying conditions. In varying conditions. So, you know, the stun might not work. So that means they're fully aware of, well, as much as a chicken can be, um, when the when the blade comes for their neck, or let's say the worst one is when the blade misses their neck, so they get put into that hot water bath totally alive. Um, things like that. So it's pretty pretty nasty. Uh, I imagine too if you know the blade is could strike all not just the neck but on the face or, oh my god yeah i mean it not every bird it, the bird might be moving around because the stun didn't work whatever so now it's crazy to me because I'm, I'm, i was thinking about the time that i've done it myself and we were so concerned and took a lot of effort to um mm -hmm. make it as quick and and all those things as possible right you know yeah be as good as possible and it's just in such a stark contrast to this yeah yeah, um, yeah, it's brutal. It's all about the numbers, right? Yeah. So let's say that uh, you don't care really about the chicken, and you know that's up to you. Uh, the human risk of consuming the lowest quality chicken that you can get, um, you know, just due to the living conditions, you're subjecting yourself to higher, uh, you know, odds of bacteria and salmonella and. Um, since they're being fed antibiotics their entire seven-week life, you know, you're going to have some resistance now to certain antibiotics and, and whatever goes along with that. Um, and then on top of all that, the poor quality of the meat, the nutrients that it's providing you, is compromised compared to what a chicken should be, ideally. So, uh, yeah, you're getting what you pay for. So you might not care about the way the chickens are treated, but you're 
you're buying cheap meat, so, so you're going to get less for it. Maybe I'm stealing uh, one of the talking points, but um, it's not even the lowest grade meat. But in the grocery store, uh, so we go to Kroger-based grocery stores, that uh, that Archer Farms chicken, not Archer Farms, uh, whatever it is, the mm-hmm. chicken that comes in, the, it's got that brown packaging, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Um, and it's got that 15% saline solution. <laughs> yeah. Was that something you were going to go over? Yeah, I was going to bring that up okay. um, as a thing to look out for when you're buying chicken. Um, okay. Yeah, so basically they're required to put in how much is retained. Right. And, and the reason that's there is because um, they're trying to prevent disease in a freshly slaughtered chicken. So they like dunk the chicken in a um, cold water, which... I guess helps um, prevent some diseases and transfers of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it can, uh, you know, depending on how they do it, it, the chicken absorbs the water, and you either have, you know, you have varying amounts of chicken and or water retained. Um, and there's different processes. So that's why you get some with more than the other. But you got to the reason as a shopper you want to look out for that is because it's artificially raising the weight of the meat right you think you're buying three pounds but at 15 percent water what is it really that's a lot so um all right so let's move on from the factory farming rant and look at the other types of things that you might encounter when you're uh buying chicken so the next one on the list uh, i'm gonna try to list in like uh you know, according to, I guess, levels of quality or, or whatever. Right. Um, so next step up from that would be something called hormone-free. But really, it's not a step at all because being it's illegal in the U.S. to put hormones in chickens. So really, all of this company is doing, if they're putting hormone-free on their thing, is advertising to you that they're abiding by the rules. Classic so, marketing. Right. So hormone-free is a scam. I mean, it's not a scam. That's good that they're hormone free. Right. But it's nothing special. Dude, all that chicken. Lit- that was literally a moment where they were like, sales are down. What do we do? <laughs> hormone free. Right. Doesn't mean anything. Um, so, so since that's not really level two, the next sort of level two is something called cage free. Okay. But this is an, not a regulated term. So, uh, it literally just means at some point they were free from a cage, probably. Right. Basically, yeah. it's the, you know, rather than the, the two square inch cage that the chickens are kept in, they're all smashed together in the in the farm floor. Right, right, so it's right. just that. Um, so it's not better. Uh, next would be free range. This is a somewhat regulated term. Um so theoretically, the birds have uh, access to the outdoors, um, and the USDA actually requires that the birds have access to the outdoors for them to use this term. So that's true, but in reality, what this looks like is the factory farmed, you know, room of birds, and there's a small door at the end um, that they can theoretically go out of, and some chickens might. Uh, what what does it look like out there? It's probably just like a small patch of dirt or gravel or something. Um, maybe even concrete. Who knows? What? And the likelihood of your bird that you're buying actually, you know, making its way through the 
conglomerate of other chickens to get out there is, you know, slim to none for sure. And they got so, seven weeks to do it. And they got seven weeks to do it if they could even walk there in the first place. So these are still those types of chickens, the broilers. Oh yeah, there, there's there's no. Um, Whoa. It can totally be those types of chickens and oh, be labeled free range. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so next, uh, you're probably going to see something called vegetarian fed. You know, sounds obvious what that means. Um, but really, somehow this got turned into a positive marketing ploy, I guess just out of ignorance. But chickens are not vegetarians. No, not even a little bit. They're Not actually, even a little bit. They're omnivores. Uh, they're omnivores, and they can be brutal. If you've ever... Yeah. Uh, if you've ever... I had some fishing worms that I mm-hmm. didn't wasn't going to use in time for them to be. So I threw them into the chicken uh, coop one day, and I mean, it, I regretted that decision from a. I mean, it made them fight each other for sure. <laughs> but uh, you know, the way that they went after these worms was just brutal. I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, they should be eating like bugs and yeah, and things you can and... see uh, with the egg layers uh, mm-hmm. with egg laying chickens. Um, you could definitely tell the quality of the eggs was different during the winter when they weren't okay. eating bugs and grass and all yeah, those things. No doubt. Uh, you could definitely, I mean, the eggs were still good, but right. certainly the eggs coming out of the summer when there's bugs all over the place um, mm-hmm. and the chickens are really happy. I mean, you can, you can tell. Yeah. So fun. when you're, when you're buying this vegetarian fed chicken, um, just like you're describing with the eggs, the chicken itself is going to be less nutritious than it naturally would be, right? Because they're right. not getting... Right. Um, so the only thing good here um, is that... Uh, let's see. So it kind of puts you know some regulation in a sense of what they're eating. So in a pure factory farmed environment, I guess it's been you know known that the feed that they're giving those those chickens includes the chicken feces itself and then part of the dead chickens that, you know, just die off in the process. So by buying something that's vegetarian fed, you're at least um, getting rid of that aspect, right? So they might not be eating what chickens should be eating, but they're at least not eating their own shit and the friends that died along the way. <laughs> um, okay. So after that, get on to organic chicken, and um, this is a regulated, you know, USDA regulated term and requirements to get your chicken labeled as such. Um, so the chicken feed's got to be 100% organic, GMO-free, no fertilizers, pesticides, herbicides, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the chicken feed can still be, and likely is, um, totally vegetarian, so you're compromising still the nutritious quality of the chicken. But um, it's like a pretty involved process and multi-level process to become certified organic. So just by going through that, the chicken's, you know, more than likely just going to be higher quality. Um, So I went into the USDA guidelines of actually getting certified. And this is is a snippet from it. So it says... uh, Housing must provide for adequate ventilation, adequate supply of clean water and proper sanitation. Housing must provide access to the outdoors, shade, shelter, exercise areas, fresh air, and direct sunlight year-round. 
Housing must also provide adequate protection from predators. So that's you have to have all that to be certified. Hmm. Um, now, you can obviously unpack that and say, okay, what's adequate supply of clean? What is all that? But still, all those things are going to contribute to a better life and healthier chicken and thus better food on your plate in the end. Um, and then the regulation includes things like properly slaughtering them and um, caring for the eggs if you're doing this, uh, harvesting their eggs and all these things. So um, basically, if if I were to give my advice, if you're the type of person who's you know budget-friendly, don't waste your money doing things like cage-free and free-range and things like that. Just buy the, <laughs> the basic chicken. If you're going to spend the extra money, skip all that and just go to the organic because you're actually getting you know, value out of that zero or 60, nothing in between. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, so going a step further is going to be chicken that's pasture raised, right? So chickens that are legitimately never housed or caged or anything, they're just living the life a chicken should be. That's obviously going to be much more expensive and probably harder to find. Um, but yeah, if it were me, um, I'd buy the organic chicken, just, uh, based on that, but if you can't afford it, don't waste your money on the things in between. Um, so some other things to look out for, we mentioned the water, retained water. Yep. Um, you might see natural written on the chicken. Um, and this is like, I guess, a somewhat regulated term. So it says, a product containing no artificial ingredient or added color is only minimally, and is only minimally processed uh, minimally processing has its own term, what that means. Um, but really, natural is a pretty vague thing, so you just got to be kind of careful of that. Uh, certified Humane Raised is a third-party certification from something, either the American Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals or the Humane Society. Um, and basically, if, if something's certified Humane Raised, it, like, ensures basic care. So, like... Right. Factory farm chickens don't even get day or don't even get darkness because that prevents twenty four hour growth. <laughs> it's so what? fucked up. Yeah, lights on twenty four hours a day because it makes what them grow the faster. Fuck? Yeah, dude. So going back to that, I mean, think about how stressed out that chicken is. A oh. chicken is supposed to be eating bugs, running around in a field, you know, having a little pecking order with the other chickens. Yeah, they this do type like of to thing. Fight each other. <clears throat> they can't even move their wings. Or stand, or Dude, sleep. When you, when you um, there are certain types that there's plenty of animals like, uh, I'm gonna struggle for specifics, I guess, but uh, you know, if you're gonna go slaughter an animal, mm-hmm. one of the reasons you do, uh, try to make it as quick and painless and all that as possible is because the stress really does, uh, change how the meat can taste. Mm-hmm. Um, there's. I'm, totally blanking what it is which is killing me but there is a specific animal that you actually want to take care of. i think it's a fish you actually want to take care of it right away because any prolonged uh stress on the fish actually can like really make the meat you know not what you want and pretty is it because like stress hormones start going yeah, exactly, out into the exactly huh. yeah and it makes sense so i well actually i'll let you keep going Oh, was just the last thing I had um, was you might see antibiotic free, which um, I guess can't be used. It can't be listed on the label, 
but it can be used in advertising is what I read. I don't know about that. I can support um, that. So okay. I, I looked up the chicken that I buy uh-huh. um, because it's a company, Redbird, and they're a Colorado company. So I don't mm-hmm. know exactly how wide their distribution is. Because um, okay. I, I, I assumed, uh, I mean, their advertising is such that it was it was clearly a better choice than the other types of chickens. But given the new information, I wanted to see if I, what I was, you know, was I going 55 or, or 60? <laughs> okay. Um, but I didn't, I wanted, before I go through this, because there's actually a couple of things that well, uh, I, I want to um, sure you were. Yeah, well, I, so I did my grocery shopping for the week before we sat down to record this, and so okay. I did a little uh, field investigation. Oh, perfect. And I'm, I'm pretty sure people thought I was crazy, but I was taking pictures of all the chicken varieties and all the egg varieties at the stores. I went to two stores. Um, Holy crap. Wandering so, Dairy Center, like, field work. <laughs> so, um, if you want to do yours first, but I also have... Uh, pictures here that I can just, I'll just read a couple of, like, what these varying levels of chicken packaging say. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, let's, crazy. let's go through yours, because I think mine is, I'm on their website. Um, oh, okay. And they're, yeah, they're, I, ha- I have pictures I took with my phone just, you know, not two hours ago. Okay. Um, let's go for it. All right. So, I, the first store I went to was Aldi, and I don't typically buy any meat from there, but um, they have two different tiers to the chicken. Ignored the beef. I wasn't going to get into that. Um, So their cheapest one, I'm looking at chicken breast tenderloins. It just says fresh on it. And then says contains up to 15% chicken broth, sea salt, and natural flavoring. Um, Which is how they're getting around saying saline solution. Right. Uh, It says, oh wow, no way. I didn't even realize that. Hang on. Um, let's see. Uh, so it's talking about protein, no artificial ingredients or no preservatives. So that's the, um, no hormone or no, that's the, uh, what's that term? Hang on. Uh, there's so many that we had to, yeah. Oh, that's the, that, that's natural. So labeling something natural, um, means that it doesn't have any artificial ingredients and stuff. So that's where that. How's the consumer ever supposed to keep all this straight? Dude. Um, and then, yep, here we go. Chicken raised with no added hormones, no added steroids. So there, that's advertised on there, but that's it would be illegal if it was. Right. Um, so then there's a little asterisk under that that says that, actually. Um, so this says USDA inspected, but it does not say grade A. Interesting. Which is interesting, indeed. How cheap is it? Uh, two sixty nine a pound, which is pretty cheap. That's decently cheap, yeah. For chicken breast? Yeah. For chicken um, breast, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Th- thighs I've seen go down to like, I think I've paid like one seventy a pound for thighs before. That's so this this crazy. is um so that's their what they label as Kirkwood brand. Okay. Just the the cheapest stuff there at, at Aldi. So level two at Aldi, um, they don't offer any organic. This is called Never Any. It says cage free. Okay, so bullshit. Chicken, and then, uh, let's see, how do I zoom in on, oh, there we go, alright, I'm on iCloud. So, let's see, cage-free, and to them that means, uh, god damn it, this is difficult to use. 
Um, raised cage free in barns. So okay. now that we know that that means they're Probably all shoved not. together. Yeah. 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 So it says, uh, let's see. This one says a mer- You don't get a sense though of like uh, how many. I mean, they could because I'm looking at the before I go through mine. I was looking mm-hmm. at it, uh, and they have a similar thing to a certain extent, but they're very clear that it's like they're still in the barns and everything, but it's. Mm-hmm not the type of environment you described it's much right. better right so it, you know the density of chickens is going to be way less the ground mm-hmm. is is cleaned and all that so but probably not with this the one you're you're reading from now it's probably the the terrible no one. i think this is a terrible one so this one says um no antibiotics no hormones we know all that no animal byproducts it's all regulated well that one's not actually um so that's good no no byproducts i guess uh, 100% vegetarian diet. Uh, this one says grade A on it. It's got the little shield image. Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, so then at store two, I did this for the eggs too, by the way. If we, if anybody's interested in that, we can go there too. Um, Didn't we do eggs? Did we do eggs? Not in this fashion, I don't think. I think we I talked think we, about, yeah. We talked about, like, nutrition-wise. One, one of the early episodes, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so this other store is called Fresh Time, and it markets itself as, like, a farmer's market, but really it's just a more expensive grocery store. They have good stuff, but they also have, you know, regular bullshit, too. Yeah. This one, their basement, uh, chicken says all natural. Basement chicken. (laughs) Oh, here we go. It's got a sticker on it. That says... Minimally processed, no artificial ingredients, no added growth hormones. Um, that's it. Okay. All natural. Yeah. Just cool. Just not a thing. Um, and then I wasn't able to. Oh damn it! I didn't take a picture of the organic chicken because that's the one I bought. So I was like, oh, I'll have it. I don't need to take a picture, but I'm not in front of my fridge. Um, so I did this with the eggs too, and the eggs get out of control, but. Um, basically this apply the same logic to the eggs. Don't go yeah. for the cage free, the, you know, you gotta go for, um, pasture raised, you know, eggs essentially. Otherwise just, <clears throat> you know, whatever's on sale. If you're going to go with the cheap ones, organic, same thing. They might not be pasture raised chickens, but yeah, that, that would be worth it too. So either buy the cheapest eggs or buy the organic eggs or go you know, the, the final leg there and get the, uh, pasture raised, whatever eggs. Um, there are so many freaking options with eggs. It's ridiculous. It is a little wild. So I'll just, I'll just read one, um, chicken egg box here. So this is for pasture raised organic eggs, ethically raised on family farms. Uh, you know, no antibiotics, no GMOs, blah, blah, blah. Um, organic labels on there. Um, and then it's, uh, certified humane, I think it's claiming that each chicken has 108, I think, uh, square feet per chicken. So wow, that's huge. Yeah. These are, um, I think six bucks for, um, you know, a, a dozen. So that's expensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. So, um, yeah, basically either shell out or. Don't bother. <laughs> so this Redbird company um, yep. that I buy, uh, 
I'm on their website. I won't go through the whole thing. They actually have a whole they have a whole how the chickens are raised page and a decent amount of information. Um, they don't do antibiotics and no byproducts. Okay. Um, they. This is for the meat. This is for the meat. Yeah. Okay. Not the eggs. Yep. Mm. <laughs> Redbird flocks joyously roam spacious barns with an unlimited access to feed and water. They enjoy ventilated housing and soft bedding of wood shavings and rice hulls. Chicken growers work to promote natural behaviors and control environments. The goal is to raise healthy, wholesome birds. Rest easy, poultry patients, patrons, as factory farming techniques have flown the coop. Hmm. That is like their opening statement as, as far as the... Uh, <laughs> as far as the I mean, I don't know. Are. It's pretty vague. It is kind of vague. I mean, there's a lot of words, and I won't go through it. I mean, it certainly seems like um, they're they're in barns, and it sounds like they yeah. have. Do they have any images? Um, let me see. They have. They actually have a storefront, which is interesting. They're obviously they oh, sell okay. like they sell to Kroger and all that, but they're mm. vegetarian fed. I thought you might find this interesting. 90% is antibiotic-free meal made up of corn and soy. The final yeah. 10% is added nutrients, enzymes, essential oils, and vitamins. This includes phosphate, limestone, and a generous mixture of vegetable oils. Hmm. Oddly enough, that mixture tastes like granola. That is that is their statement. That's what they say? <laughs> yeah, oddly enough, it tastes like granola. Wow. Okay. Um, so they, they have a bunch of words. I won't, Like I said, I won't read everything, but I think it's legit. It seems... But they are not uh, actually at the bottom. Although our chickens are allowed plenty of space and are raised cage-free, they are not certified free-range. Whoa, they're not. Hmm. Might be doing 55 here. Because free-range certified means there just theoretically needs to be a door that they can go out. So that means they're not letting them outside ever. Interesting. This chicken's not cheap either. Hmm. I'm gonna have so to the some, chicken, I, some more yeah. Let me um. Let's see. Spare what? spare people my rambling thoughts. Yeah. Well, I don't know what chicken I bought. Well, I bought the organic chicken. I don't know what it says because I don't have it in front of me. But the eggs that I buy. Um. So Aldi has cage-free organic large brown eggs. So they're not the best in terms of being pasture-raised, but they're organic. So they're at least one step down from from that. Uh, it says raised humanely on sustainable farms, grain-fed, so that's not great. Um, certified humane, yeah, and then they're just USDA organic grade A, so they don't, um, but they don't really provide any info on how the chickens are kept, so who knows. I'm going to visit, this is a Colorado Proud company, it's a... Okay. Colorado Proud is a label that you'll see on uh, different mm -hmm. local, local. Oh, there's products. there's a, a Michigan version too. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna drive to this Redbird farm. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to the bottom of this. That's some real field work. I like That's that. Right. Let's do it. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna. Sorry, we're vamping at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> let me see uh, Redbird. Farms. Oh, I just want to say I had the artwork figured out for this in the first. Oh, eight I. Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we, uh, yeah, go. Do you we can discuss that after. Okay, all right. <laughs> I, I, I want to spoil the surprise. Yeah, I thought of some things too. I mean, they'll see the artwork before they listen a, an hour and a half into the 
into the podcast. Good point. Good point. <laughs> the cat will be well out of the bag. What the hell happened to my red bird farms? Maps, come on. It's wild Various. to me how um, how uh, widespread the vegetarian fed is used in marketing. Like, apparently people think that's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really definitely not. A pretty misleading. It's unfortunate. Oh, I'm only getting, I wanted to see if I could find the actual farm. I'm only getting where the storefront is. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll, uh, I'll spare them right now. But I do want to find out where their actual farms are located. I don't know. I guess I, w I want them to be legit because that's the chicken that I've been buying and I don't want to be yeah. played a fool. But um, also, it's it's expensive. So it, it has done one thing for me, though. Um, try to do at least one day a week. Trying to be better, though, even more so, uh, you know, with no meat. Uh -huh. um, and part of that's because, you know, when you start buying the more expensive meats, you're like, damn, this kind of hurts the wallet. Yeah. I don't know. Food is the one thing that I, I try to not uh, be upset about. You know, spending money on because uh, yeah, it's important. It's, it's literally what you're fueling your entire self with. So yeah. All right. Well, I will. Yeah, I'm gonna actually do this. It depends on how far away this place is. <laughs> it's three hours away. It's three hours away. <laughs> yeah. I might not do it, but I don't podcast know. from the road. That, oh, that would be. That would be hilarious. Yeah, actually, you could, um, uh, you know, have a set of headphones on and, and we could talk as you're walking your way through this and you can give a live, you know, investigative report. Exactly. Show That's us right. through. Oh, I meant to say, too, the, the type of chicken. Oh, shoot. Let me uh, let me pull that up. It wasn't a cross. The one that it, you killed? The, no, no. Well, yeah, that, they were. <laughs> well, either, but uh, I didn't mean it like that, but <laughs> I, I mean, it. that's true. Uh, I did kill it. <laughs> the one that you murdered? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, shit, I lost the... Um... Oh, you're kidding me. Now we're totally wasting people's time. Chicken recipes, healthy chicken. There it is, I found it. Uh, the Cobb-Hubbard hybrid. I wanted to look up what... So it's not the type of chicken you were talking about. Okay. Well, yeah, you were buying them particularly for their egg laying. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about so the the, the red bird farms. Oh, oh, oh the I chickens see. that they use are I got you. these Cobb Hubbard hybrids. No, the, yeah, the, you're absolutely right. The the egg laying chickens, as you said, are they're a totally different type. We had some Americanas um, and a few others. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm looking at what these Cobb Hubbard look like, and they are they look very much like your standard white chicken, redhead, yellow feet. <laughs> hmm. But anyway. Cobb chicken. Yeah, Cobb, Cobb Hubbard. Got it. All right, well, uh, hopefully I answered the question properly and um, gave some insight. Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking next week we better come with uh, a bit more upbeat topics. There was a point there when you were describing the, the factory farms. I was like, all right, I can do this. Make it through it, right? And then you were like, but, and then there was a one point where you said, um, you know, then the worst part is, and then. I, <laughs> I think I like, probably said that like three times. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah, it's pretty rough. 
And that's right, just well, chickens, so. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of darkness if you want to go look for it. Mm-hmm. All right, we will uh, be on a regular schedule from this point forward for at least a while. So, yeah, catch definitely. you next week. Yep. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Out.